This is a news laundry podcast and you're listening to NL Hafta. Angrez apna lagan aur news laundry apna hafta kabhi nahi chhodte. When the public pays the public is served and you're watching News Laundry Hafta. Before I get into the podcast, do listen to our podcast on whatever platform you want to, but we are on newslaundry.com that's our website we have a lot of other podcasts on newslaundry.com we have many other stories and reports so do come and click on pay to keep news free and subscribe because we don't take any advertising we only make do with what you guys will contribute through subscriptions so come to newslaundry.com and subscribe and check out other podcasts as often and awesome there's reporters or orders we'd love to show you what all we can do and do tell others about this podcast and give us a high rating whether you listen to us on Savan or iTunes or Spotify give us a high rating write a review it will help other people discover us so thank you for that i have with me on the panel today two guests one is jaskirat singh baba who is a senior editor for news fact check and audience engagement with the quint earlier he has been a part of media houses like india today and newsx welcome jaskirat thank you And joining us from Bombay is Vivek Kaul, who many of you are aware is an author and also a regular columnist for News Laundry. He's worked in senior positions in DNA, Economic Times. Now he writes for us, Times of India, Hindu, Mint, basically anywhere where there's any, I guess, economy-related information or columns, you'll find him there. Also, he has written four books, including the Easy Money Trilogy, and india's big government the intrusive state and how it is hurting us you can pick those books up hi vivek welcome hi hi abhinandan and uh, this has been a fairly uh, exciting news week especially yes. as far as the media is concerned so manisha what all are the headlines some of them and then i can finish the rest uh okay so as far as the media stories are concerned uh fade souza stepped down as mirror now's executive editor uh, mm. but she's continue she will work for times network for a little while at least we know she has a show with romedy now uh fact checker which is a sister concern of india spend has shut down uh, their hate crime watch this was the only sort of data set that was being collated on hate crimes across india so they india. shut down the hate crime watch at fact checker is alive Yeah, uh, Samar Halankar, uh, who's editor at India Spend, has also quit following this. There's a little confusion on whether he will take this data set away or not, but it mm. doesn't exist anymore. So all the pieces, all the data set have vanished from the internet. Um, there was a big controversy on Twitter, uh, where uh, the NPR producer in Delhi had said things, uh, and she got trolled yeah, for it. Yeah, she and said India would do better if they gave up Hinduism. Hindu, with yeah, and this. The with piss, the cow pissing and the piss dung worshipping and dung worshipping or something yeah quite nasty hmm uh, so she apologized for the tweet and then she quit and then npr also issued a statement saying that they don't uh, defend this um then there've been a spate of arrests in up or uh, charges being slapped at journalists in uttar pradesh for basically reporting yeah and it's also now spilling into jharkhand yeah so for example one of the journalists who reported who shooted a video of kids mopping school floor was slapped with a case there's another one that who spoke about midday meals not being up to date yeah, that, that uh, not FIRS being quality there was an fire file again there are a bunch of cases like this the big story of yesterday was uh, piyush goyal's comments at uh, a conference on trade where he said uh, when he was talking about the economy he said that basically you don't need to care about numbers and all that and those numbers have never helped anyone that maths uh, never helped einstein discover gravity then he did a clarification he and did he clarified two clarifications. the clarification but in all clarifications he insisted that 
ग्रेविटी तो आइंस्टाइन ने ही डिस्कवर की थी दिस वॉज आफ्टर निर्मला सीतारमन ब्लेम मिलेनियल्स फॉर द स्लो डाउन इन दटो सेक्टर मिलेनियल्स प्रेफर ओला उबर एंड विच इज वाईच the comedy twitter taking over and yeah. nirmala tai says hashtag and all that was trending yeah kashmir still remains in news um, uh, there have been reports uh, that there's been a, a militant build up across loc and uh, this the times of india report said that this is because there's also been an internet sort of communication shutdown so it's making life tough for the forces also there to detect militants coming in Uh, nearly 300 from uh, Kashmir have been detained in UP jails, and they are getting people from Kashmir in batches of 80 in a bus to be put in these jails. And uh, the government has offered to buy the entire apple crop. I think almost just under 50% of all the apples in India grown come from Kashmir. So because there is no labour from UP and Bihar, which is usually with the labour that goes there to pluck. Now um, I guess the government will buy it, but it will just rot because no one's there to get it here or pluck it off the trees. Uh, UNHRC also said that India should end its lockdown in JNK. This made a lot of news. Pakistan said that uh, there are human rights violations, and UNHRC should not overlook them. India said that these are concocted charges. Consequently, there were debates uh, in times now in Republic where they said India should ignore UNHRC. It's just a defunct organization, and no need to care about these foreign elements. Uh, there was Muharram, but no processions allowed in Kashmir. Curfew like restrictions. Um, then NRC was also in the news. It's been in the news for a few weeks. So uh, there's a camp being set up in Maharashtra, and uh, no illegal immigrant can stay in Assam or in other states. Says Amit Shah, he thundered on about the NRC. He met the chief ministers of the northeastern states to discuss Article 371 and how that's not going anywhere, and there need not be any nervousness about that. People's Tribunal comes down heavily on the Supreme Court over handling of the NRC in Assam. I guess everyone's blaming the other. Then the Tabriz and Ansari lynching case had the most kind of predictable and disgusting fallout, where the police says he died of a heart attack. While one can say that heart attack was caused by the beating, but um, I have heard several doctors who were quoted in various news reports say that the you know hitting with a blunt object, the trauma of bone breaking. I mean, categorizing that as a heart attack is a bit much. Meanwhile, a video has been going around, which someone also sent to me, of a gentleman called Swami Chinmayanand getting a massage. So, at first, I was not very familiar with the story, and I was wondering why has this video been sent to me. And then I later realized that this is supposed to be this BJP leader. Yeah, very close to Yogi Adityanath. Second rape charge against him. And finally, they've arrested him today. Uh, not arrested. Took him for questioning, but. I do think overnight questioning for seven hours means just come and sleep. We'll get you a room. The very powerful guy in Shahjahanpur. They can, yeah. So that's quite quite disturbing, and the economic slowdown that Ray Call can tell us a little bit about. All sorts of things happening on that, and Home Ministry is gearing up to reopen reopen the 1984 anti-secret case against Kamal Nath. So I guess now Kamal Nath is next on the chopping block. I can't say I am too upset about that. Yeah, high time. Eighty-four, high time. There's some accountability, and uh, I'd like to start off with PM Modi's. Oh, Chandrayaan also, of course. Sorry, Isro's. You know, Chandrayaan went up. Our lander could not land. It wasn't perfect, but there was a lot of excitement. Then a lot of everyone was depressed. I to hope I don't sound anti-national in saying I was neither excited when it took <laughs> off, neither was I depressed when it didn't land because I didn't quite give a fuck. But I was—I I really think a lot of the excitement was manufactured. I know many of these journalists, and I know them very well. 
I know none of them gives a fuck about not none. Some of them who've been very excited on Twitter don't give a fuck about outer space science. It was just because that's what everyone's talking about. You need to talk about that. It's yeah. like like Faye when she quit. People are putting up pictures that feel like she's died. Like I was like, dude, she just quit. You don't start like putting go. Oh, I remember I met Faye here. <laughs> like, fuck, she's alive. She's just moved to another channel. So I just think there's that on Twitter. You know, excitement burns. But and um, even the lander didn't land. Anchors landed. Everyone was on the moon. Ha, yes. <laughs> Everyone was wearing those stupid costumes and pretending and this like they're on It's not very big news, but I definitely included in the headlines because I was struck by this report, which was that startups in the cow dung and urine business could get up to 60% government funding. So, uh, just for our subscribers, thank you so much to those of you who are subscribing and those of you who listen to Chota Hafta and don't subscribe because you think news is not worth paying for. I hope you pay big money for that bottle of Gomutra that you buy. But in case this model is not working out, uh, we have a nice big studio, which no point shooting here. We can just... Yeah. We can, so we will um, dedicate the song, today's Hafta song, to this Tabela's that will form Digital India in the near future. Also, but, Modi's speech on um, yesterday. So let's start with that before we get to the economic condition of our country so mr modi gave a speech at an event in mathura and the event was about prevention of livestock diseases uh, since we've cured all the ones that afflict humans and in that with giriraj smugly smiling he made this very impassioned and aggressive speech about those who people they listen to om or unke rongte khade ho jate hain then they just look cow unke pata nahi kya khade ho jate hain whatever basically he was saying that People uh, and that same night, Padmaja Joshi on Times Now had this debate, and I, I News 18 also had a debate that people who they mock cow are they elitist? What basically at a time when people are being killed for alleged cow smuggling or allegedly eating beef, the debate for an hour on television in prime time was that is taking care of the cow too like LS for. India's elite and I was dumbstruck at how far we've come so A let me start with Vek do you think that speech was a dog whistle uh, by Mr. Modi or am I being too critical Vivek no I mean if you uh, you know look at how uh, you know the entire government functions I mean they have all these distractions uh, planted regularly at uh, you know at, at different points of time to, to deviate attention from you know what should essentially be the issues that we were we should be talking about so but Jaskira, what do you think I mean that entire like he made the time to go for this event in a very busy schedule that prevention of you know illness he did though that video where he like would out Yogiji like he's a makhi because Yogiji came into the frame <laughs> when he was there so he said a makhi would out and Yogiji quickly Flew back like a monkey. Added to the many, many clips that have been gathered over the last five years of him pushing people aside from the camera. But yeah, uh, I'm actually on board with what Vivek says. What is? It's, uh, it's actually about headline management. Uh, it's about deviating the conversation from what we should really be discussing. And this is, it's it's become very routine uh, over the last five years. Even in the first tenure of this government, we saw many such examples where a particular issue which does not show the government in good light is ga- gaining national momentum, you will have. And and almost on cue, you will see the primetime debates also taking cue from that. Uh, 
But I would think he'd stay away from any cow-related thing because the attention will be on pe- people who got lynched. The fact that he goes the other way and says, we are being mean to cows. But it polarizes and polarizing works. This is one of the subjects where people are not neutral or, or, or fence-sitters on. This is the kind of subject that people are either for or against to the point of picking up their axes and their kattas and everything. So anything that polarizes... I as I think in even in our last conversation here last year uh, said the same thing. It helps. Uh, last time I think uh, the topic we were discussing was the garlanding of uh, those guys by uh, yeah, Sinha, Yashan yeah. uh, Sinha-san. And again, it was a similar thing. If you look at it, every month or every year, we can come back and actually have the similar instances, which the end result being the same. There is a polarizing effect and it will divide the supporters and the uh, non-supporters. Right. What is your view and how easily is that headline managed that he says that yeah. in the speech and at night the prime time debates on that it's a completely uh, made up debate firstly between cow protection and cow vigilantism no one has a problem with cow protection gandhi was one of the earlier advocates of cow protection muslims also say sayed ahmed khan i think he'd said appeased to muslims that okay this is a sacred animal and maybe you should refrain from so these kind of soft projects where it's been said that okay this is revered by the hindus and maybe we should sort of uh, work at you know respecting sentiments or that cow protection is a very important part of being hindu these things have been said for a very long time no one's ever had a problem with it you want to set up a gaushala and you know save cows do it if you can do it for dogs do it for cows but the problem the the problem that people have is cow vigilantism and it's very clear when he says ki cow kaan mein aapke padte hi aap uchhal jate ho it's not guy protection it's cow vigilantism that exactly, people are prote- yeah. protesting against where you can be killed for having mutton because someone will say it's beef mm, or even killed for having beef but or anyway. be a legitimate dairy farmer in cases where people have worked in the dairy industry where they've been you know lynched to death so but what can you say and it's true that he has it just doesn't matter what he says because it's just he has all his news channels at his command to sort of carry the message further and then pepper that even further with their own reporting so arna padmaja joshi these guys bupendra yeah, bupendra chobe had a show with that stupid hum hindu guy who's i don't know jackass from hell what locus standa he has on this debate but he comes and he talks about you know um, and even there is one I mean, swami <laughs> chakrapani with Chakra. he who, who that, that one shoulder that, that he wears that cold shoulder so, thing and yeah there's no an opposition to this and uh, TV channels, of course, have given in, but even opposition, like, what is the Congress's narrative to this? Mm. What is the opposition's narrative to this? They're also doing, like, soft Hindutva wherever they can. Right. So, now, coming to uh, Vivek. So, <laughs> you, Piyush Goel was trying to enthuse Indians' startups <laughs> that you yeah. must start up even though our uh, regulatory framework is so fucked that we'll do everything we can to make sure you can't start up. Yeah. But, uh, Einstein or Newton or there's there's some another that gravity was actually discovered much earlier in 600 BC by an Indian scientist as well there are those oh. accounts so um, where are you on gravity and where are you on Mr. Piyush Goel's <laughs> statements and how's the, doesn't matter. how's the economy doing does math matter or not uh, I mean the math obviously matters and I mean what was basically very surprising that uh, uh, you know, the way he dissed maths and given the fact that uh, he's a rank-holding chartered accountant, 
<laughs> I mean, that was the most surprising part. And, you know, so people, uh, after he'd said what he'd said, people started uh, explaining that, no, it might have been a brain fade. And then everyone discovered as to how, you know, Newton may have discovered gravity, but it was Einstein who actually explained it and so on and so forth. But I think all that was, uh, you know, I mean, it, it, all that is not important. What is basically important is that uh, a gentleman who uh, currently is the commerce and the railways minister of the country and who also happened to be the finance minister of the country uh, at a certain point of time uh, tried to tell us that, you know, maths and all these assumptions, etc., are not important. And I, I, I just thought that was... Uh, very uncalled for. So, I mean, uh, you know, he, he would have just said that, you know, gravity was discovered by some rishi somewhere. And hmm. I mean, people would have that still bought into all that. But I I, I just thought, uh, and, and the clarifications were fairly naive. I and mean, he no, should have just, you know, he should have just explained, uh, apologized for his mistake and moved on. Yeah, the slip I mean, of the I tongue. Know. I mean, we do it all the time. Hmm. I do it more than others, especially when it comes to names. Uh, on Hafta all the time, I don't have called Rahul Arvind or whatever. But, uh, but you know, he in that the nichor mm. was that he said in what five years that we should be doing one trillion dollars worth of exports. Yeah, I mean, see, which is the whole thing. So you that know, means I mean, you got to go up by twenty percent year on year. Yeah, I mean, it's not. It's it's simply not possible. Uh, for the fact that, see, I mean, if if, if you look at, uh, you know, if, if if you look at the uh, what Arvind Subramaniam, you know, when he was the chief economic advisor, had said, so he he had put out, uh, I think it was in the economic survey or it was an article he wrote, I don't remember, but what he basically said was that China is getting out of uh, low end exports, uh, and uh, it is a good opportunity for India to sort of get into that market or rather expand that market. Hmm. Uh, but what has happened is that instead of India sort of catching on to the Chinese exports, Vietnam and Bangladesh have. Hmm. So if we couldn't even, uh, you know, catch on to something which was available as easily as it was, I mean, I find it very difficult as to how our exports uh, will multiply five times in the next uh, five years. And given the fact that, uh, you know, exports have been flat for uh, a while now. I mean, it's not like we've been growing over the last uh, six, seven years. So. Um, so it's all in the air. I mean, there is no, I mean, uh, I mean, it, it, there has to be some thinking, some policy, something to sort of back what he's saying. I mean, nothing's there. So speaking of exports, uh, News Laundry will be co-hosting a conference in Columbia University, New York on the 21st of September. You can register, you can see the registration link is on our social media page, on Twitter, on Facebook. Uh, we'll keep it pinned. I'll be there. Um, you know, this conference is a day long. We're talking about our tech futures and there's also a conversation of Samir Saran with Anupam Kher talking about the future of the entertainment industry with in the digital age. So do come. Uh, and we have another event at Korum at Gurgaon on the 29th of September where I will be in conversation with former finance minister Yashwant Sinha on his autobiography called Relentless. So do come to both. And while I'm in New York, we will also have a subscribers meet for the US subscribers. So we've created a WhatsApp group of the US subscribers. If you're not in that group, please write to contact at News Laundry with your phone number, your WhatsApp number. We'll add you on the group and we'll coordinate where the subscribers meet will be. 
so yeah on that let me uh, one more uh, you know hmm. vivek asking you i Good. there was a series that i remember npr had done and we'll talk about npr also later it was uh, they have a fantastic podcast called planet money which talks about basically Good. economics and money it was called the cotton economy and they gave the example that you know from the industrial revolution even pre-industrial revolution to now every country that has gone from uh, you know underdeveloped to a developed country or you know now they're saying developing medaldo has gone through the cotton economy where they dominated the cotton manufacturing of the world whether it was for gap for banana republic for you know ralph lauren for every brand from you know upar se niche tak for the mm. developed countries um so they you know they gave the example of south american economies that went from very small economies to big they went through the cotton economy right. uh, and then they gave the examples of you know korea and even america itself in fact apparently the best cotton yarn is still the the crop is still grown in america and then th- those bushels are then exported to different countries to make that cotton has india gone through the cotton economy where we dominated the cotton manufacturing no, no, not at all in fact in fact our textile exports uh, i mean textile and uh, garment uh, exports have uh, stagnated over the years so so which is the whole thing you know it's what is you know ultimately why is the cotton economy important it is important because you know you start at the low end of the value chain and then you sort of start going up so in india what has happened is that we we've done it we've done well uh, when it comes to our engineering exports where uh, you know a lot of skill is required but when it comes to the lower end uh, the lesser the semi skilled part of it uh, we actually quite uh, suck at it i mean even bangladesh does uh, better than us yeah so. and even sri lanka they make a lot of the cotton exports for gap this mm-hmm. h&m yeah, yeah, um, yeah. banana republic it's all done uh, in sri lanka so okay so anyway it's the economy is not doing particularly well um but we should ignore math for now i wish my teachers had told me imagine all the math teachers sitting in class and saying that ye hamare to for financial ye bolte hain sir aap kya bol rahe hain i think for me the piyush goel nirmala sitaraman episode also demonstrates how these guys are so not used to being questioned that they now think they can just wing through anything anything can be said anything will fly you had an ani reporter essentially collecting bite from uh, uh, this guy yesterday piyush goel yesterday and not once did he say that sir could you clarify your bit on the einstein bit or how are you saying this as a chartered accountant this mm. and it's not as if these guys don't ask questions if it was a manishankar here they display a lot of spunk Hmm. they like you know push the mic they also ask him the question reporter only now who he said are you serious are you yeah, serious yeah. what's these guys push back when they want to but when it comes to the bjp government they'll just stand collect their bite go back and i believe that ani in the clarification the video they put out but in the edited the written piece they just hmm. cut out the einstein bit so they just edited it for piyush goel himself so basically piyush that's what is that? but i just think uh, you're right it shows how unused to they are being questioned because when you do a fuck up like that the first thing you should think is what i say can i correct it the fact that he so aggressively came and pushed back at people that how dare you you know mischievously made fun of dude no one's interested in being mischievous but i think what he managed to do is that everyone is talking about einstein rather than the unrealistic numbers he gave yeah yeah that from 20% from 200 million you're going to get to 1 trillion in 5 years that means 20% no one spoke about that that's the boris johnson technique also no like just make such a fool of yourself and just be such a comic character that everyone's talking about your comedy rather than talking about the substance of what you're and before doing. you know it you're prime minister of yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly so uh, now so, yeah so uh, abhinandan can i just come in please 
Okay, so I just got uh, you know numbers for textile and uh, ready-made garment exports of India. Hmm. So in 2014-15, you know when when the Modi government uh, took, sort of came to power, uh, uh, the textile exports were at 180 billion dollars. In mm-hmm. 1819, uh, we are at 183 billion dollars. Okay. Oh my God. Uh, when it comes to ready-made garments, uh, in 1415 we were at 168 billion dollars, and in 1819 we are at 161 billion dollars. Uh, so Whoa. basically, more or less, you know, over the period of last five years, uh, the you know, textile and uh, garment exports have largely been flat. Well, that's uh, wow, that's that's no terms, growth at all, man. Which means that as a percentage of the GDP, they've gone down dramatically. Right. Okay, mm. that's good to know. Yeah. Um, so now coming to the media piece, Manisha, I'll just lay down the context. One is there's a series of arrests in UP and one in Jharkhand of journalists who are just going around doing their job reporting. It started off actually. It's hard to say when it started because it's been happening with regular frequency. The one that really made headlines and made journalists sit on dharna was. the journalist who recorded salt and roti being served to children in the midday meal he was named in the fir and um, the explanation of the dm was phenomenal he said he's a print journalist not a video journalist not a video journalist <laughs> why was he taking video and not photographs so this is digital india welcome and uh, then there have been other arrests you know whether it is to do with someone who Again, was trying to record children who were being made to sweep. Or uh, the journalist in Jharkhand has been arrested because he reported on. Um, I forget, but but Manisha, you can just look it up. So Jaskirat, uh, you have journalists traveling all over the country at the Quint. Um, have do you worry about their safety now? Absolutely, I think uh, we've always been, not just now. It's the you could say some sort of a layer or. Uh, feeling of insecurity has been there and there's always advice to make sure that uh, <laughs> they do their level best to not try to not get into trouble but i think delhi based uh, roving journalists or even bu- uh, bureau journalists based out of the metro cities have a slightly uh, be- better immunity than the freelancers and the stringers that uh, work in the two tier three tier towns and villages uh, they do not have that kind of a protection of being a full time employee of an organization so that often makes it easier to victimize them when they and they are the ones who actually end up being the ones to first get these kind of stories after which the bigger journalists the sure. more popular journalists step in and show their face on that story so what i think this is something which we have seen before is a stringer or a freelance journalist in these two and three tier towns are normally the first ones to be hit and hit harder uh, because it's known that the pushback is not going to be as much thankfully in this case uh, at least in the in the mirzapur case we've seen the local journalists get together and create some sort of a pushback that has uh, at least in you know spurred some sort of a sense of solidarity in the national yeah. journalist community mm-hmm. so thankfully there we've seen some pushback but that's not something that happens all the time i think he just got lucky this time yeah in haryana also there was a tv journalist who showed uh, conditions at a food and storage uh, facility where food was rotting and he was also slapped with uh, forgery trespassing defamation and i think what is scary in this is that the, these are really basic reports that they're not really contentious saying that the midday meal is not up to mark or like that facility operation west end these are really and then to have like continuous it 
creates a really big chilling effect and especially for like you said most of these journalists are freelancers some of them are not associated full time with the news organization so then this means fighting your case on your own so that you know being a freelance journalist anyway it's a big uh, sort of a, creates a chilling effect if you're going to be slapped with cases like this and usually you would hear of dangers while you're reporting on the mining mafia or like a big political story you I haven't really heard so much of like basic stories like oh ye school mein ye nahi hai ya ye hospital mein ye ho raha hai and this so is the local administrations yeah. feel more empowered to take yeah. on these journalists basically yeah, yeah. so i guess the message from the top is ki panga le lo mafia basically tumhara kuch koi nahi bigad sakta i mean if you talk about organized crime and you look at it just purely in what the two words mean the administration is as much organized crime in many places as what we understand as organized crime but vivek wrote a piece about the job losses in the media industry and we are working on a longer piece on that with data and you know how many losses over the, that hopefully should be ready in a week or so maybe more right manisha yeah a week so um in the context there was um a hate tracker that in india spend sister organization fact checker had put up which was tracking or attempting to track all the hate crimes in the country It's not an easy job because there's a subjective call to it. What do you call a hate crime? What do you not call a hate crime? Uh, and the kind of resources you need to, you know, go all over the country to. But it was the only one that was actually attempting it through news reports. Yeah. I mean, even though you can argue that's not the perfect way to do it, but that was the only way at the time. That has been removed, and uh, Summer apparently will be taking it elsewhere. We don't know for sure yet where or how. Um, you had views on that. Vanisha and the the chilling effect of that I mean cuz cuz this is a fairly independent organization that is yeah. not a for profit it was a, a not for profit um funded from grants and and donors so these guys got a lot of flack i mean they've been consistently getting flack for it on social media and i think swaraj is one of the organizations that was really like kind of taking them on finding holes and all that and in our report some people did tell us that there was pressure from the funders because this was creating because it was the only i think it was also cited in parliament at times hmm. it was the only sort of data set you can use and say that okay since 2014 or 2009 these are the cow related violence that have happened so the pressure bit we don't know but i mean at least that's what some people in the organization seems to have told us but principally i'm not for a hate tracker sort of a data set being collated in india simply because ht also attempted it and i think the idea came from mother jones in the us that uh, had a similar hate tracker thing but in the us it's a there's legal definition and it's recorded by the police so it's like an ncrb data that you pick up and then you can put out so there's some you know there's a sort of legality to it in india we don't have a definition of hate crime so then it a becomes very subjective and then in a country like india to be able to send reporters all over and corroborate it's a really time consuming thing to do and then if you get it wrong then you sort of open yourself up to the argument that this is just a liberal hoax hmm. so i think it does more damage to the conversation on hate crimes because you're unable to do it robustly but you're still putting out a data I think it could have been just stories rather than saying 15 people 18 people having said that if you've done something like this you've decided to go ahead with it I think they owe an explanation for why they've pulled down all the stories these are stories that were done by freelance journalists and, and no explanation has been no. given I mean uh, the explanation they gave to us was that it would distort the data but you can very well archive it and say the data up till September 2019 like hoot has done with its website you just archive it to I, i don't buy the explanation that it will distort data and all that i think you owe an explanation to your reporters who've gone to these places sometimes putting themselves in a lot of trouble 
to report on hate crimes it's very tricky in india to do that and then when you pull it down then you're basically admitting that okay we weren't sure about it you know you're kind of giving that message that we are washing our hands of what we did for the past one year hmm. so i think it does a lot of damage to the conversations because now you then give the opportunity to the other side to say that oh look this was always a hoax look there was always a problem with their reporting there was always a problem with their data so i'm not sure how much of this is uh, spillover from the pushback that bbc i think got a few mm. months ago bbc yes. i believe was using the fact checker data in their ah, uh, okay. hmm. yeah, and then yeah. they got a pushback and they came back with a statement saying that we are actually not sure any more about our data so we are pulling it out and we are just rehashing the entire thing So I think that time also there was a, because certain cases, like you said, it's so Actually, tricky. Actually, I think B- BBC said that we're not sure about our data. They they said that this may not be completely exhaustive of everything that there is. I mean, the but there is a second draft that they took okay. out because I think they had to come back after the push uh, pushback hmm. and make that clarification. I see. Okay. But like Manisha said, it's very tricky because one or two things you get wrong in a hundred cases, and suddenly all the rest rest of the ninety eight cases uh, start looking very suspect, uh, at least perception wise. uh so they uh i guess one way we dealt with it at the quint was back even when the hd hate tracker was on incidentally two weeks before the hate tracker went online we had our own lynchistan that went online hmm. and the lynchistan still live and uh ashwarya ayer who in fact covered the tabrez khan story for hmm. us is the one point person kind of handling and owning it to make sure it remains updated so we define anything that involved a lynching whether even if it was a mob lynching in terms of the child lifting rumors or okay uh, you know threat of so anything there. it's not just communal yeah but within that uh, we tried our level best to cross check and figure out the sub categories of hate crime right. within that uh, tracker i see i think that that may be a better way of doing it i think maybe for now if we can't come up with robust data we should just do robust reporting let's yeah. not say case that we case. have 20 cases or 30 cases let's just do robust reporting and go case by case that's maybe a better way to keep the conversation alive without being sort of putting up something that's open to you know sure. uh, like l- let's not make it a statistic let's yeah. not make it a 20 30 70 cases we can't do it robustly as of now ncrb hasn't also re- reported data yeah, since 2016 so for those you don't know the national crime um, you know re- records have to be updated every 2 years and that is what has been happening for the longest time uh, it's after a very long time uh, actually i don't know exactly for how long but at least last 15 to 18 years we haven't had the data not being updated so right now the ncrb has not updated the 2016 data uh, and we're in 2019 it should have been, it should have happened last year several journalists have pointed out that there is not enough outrage on this uh, which is true uh, while there is outrage on tweets and stuff uh, i i think prime time is basically consists of tweets now but um you know when it comes to this case of um the hate tracker going but fact checker will remain to do fact checking i do think that i agree with manisha you know when you attempt to do something like this you have to have major resources yeah you can't do it with just google searches of of what has appeared in different media organizations until you can go on ground and confirm and also your methodology has to be like that case in delhi the first case on the train which happened apparently over who's sitting where hmm. where that muslim was beaten up now it started off over that but the guy was beaten up because he was muslim because the men felt empowered enough that normally an argument between two guys in delhi will end up in fisticuffs but in this case because they said this guy's muslim and at that time there was a hindu resurgence 
it ended up as a i would call it a hate crime even though it did not start off because he was a muslim yeah yeah so you got to there all these complexities are there yeah. and we have recent example of a guy whose name seemingly was that sahil correct sahil, yeah. right so here that's carrying on that five years ago right now we have the same thing okay now let's just come to the other media story which is um, that npr producer yeah. and then maybe we can have a little discussion on the layoffs also in the media sure, because we we've had written about it and it's a very interesting piece so well the npr story was simple i think uh, she's a producer with the yeah. npr and she got into a spat over some things with people on twitter one of the tweets she responded to a guy i don't know what the original tweet was because i couldn't find it Hmm. because she also deleted tweet but basically she said that india would be better off giving up hinduism um, you know all the cow cow piss drinking and dung worshiping which i think is very unbecoming for someone who's a journalist and it's very offensive and it's i mean offensive. i can i can see why it's stereotyping and be, prejudiced and it's just it's just hateful and, and yeah. abusive but to me it was very interesting that the swift action she said that i've apologized and resigned but i do think npr would have asked her to explain or there would have been something that would have happened in the organization which would have led to her resignation but the swift action that they took against such an utterance on twitter is quite remarkable and when you compare it to india so we have oh, the tweet hmm. the the, out, the outrageous tweet her exact tweet. tweet was if indians give up hinduism they will be they will also be solving most of their problems with all the piss drinking and dung worshiping this was a response to someone so she said that whatever hmm. i was so <laughs> i think the biggest difference in i mean there are um, Uh, you know far more hateful tweets uh, if not more at least as hateful tweets by uh, several news professionals in india uh, out and out even not even tweets when um, i mean i've seen pieces and th- things uh, in these postcard op india type publications that have really offensive language and lines uh, but the difference is that i don't see a whole battery of people defending her saying that what she did is okay because it's not okay um and that is also why you know today um kanjanda who's been here and i wish i could get him on hafta one day and debate this where he says where are the liberals some two cattle thieves were caught for the raping a 10 year old girl he says where are the liberals now i was like what the fuck do you want them to do defend them like why why there is a pushback against the hindu right is when a person is caught doing that a minister or a spokesperson or an op india will defend that guy saying what well, it is okay or if not okay it's justified for xyz reasons no one's going to come and defend either this woman for that you know fuck all tweet or these you know cattle thieves for raping so it's not so difficult to comprehend i i think it's a willingness of just being dense and the funny thing is the guys who were offended by npr producer routinely in their tweets they will call a muslim jihadi or yeah, a porky yeah, yeah. in fact one of the one of the tweets by i think shafali vaidya who's an advisor to our finance minister <laughs> <laughs> she goes and meets she at least said this jihadi jain i said do you realize what you're doing like you're yeah. doing what she's doing so yeah, but, you know yeah that's the thing that, that and and in india you're rewarded like the more bigoted you are the more likely you're to get be followed by the prime minister or be invited for prime time or become a you know prime time anchor spokesperson but yeah let's talk about the media layoffs you know i have a theory i i don't know whether um vivek would think i'm being too i'm going off but i think anything's possible in today's day and age i think like in russia or um 
Venezuela or um, uh, you know Egypt also for that matter uh, there was monopoly of money was with the government because all other industries failed like in Russia kuch karna hai to Putin ya uske kisi sathi ko aap partner banao nahi to aapki industry ka kuch dal nahi galegi so when all the money is just with the government or government friendly agencies advertising kon dega na hero honda ki aukat hai na aajkal kisi ramdev ka bhi banta dardwar ho gaya hai to aap अब सरकारी एड्स के लिए सब चेज कर रहे हैं आई नो फॉर अ फैक्ट कॉज आई मेनी फ्रेंड एंड मीडिया ऑर्गेनाइजेशन दे मे हेट दैट स्टेट गवर्नमेंट बट वेन दैट इलेक्शन टाइम कम्स दे ऑल गोइंग टू दैट चीफ मिनिस्टर सिंह हमें भी एड्स दे दो क्योंकि एड्स की औकात अब सिर्फ सरकार की है सो इफ द इकोनॉमी गेट्स फक्ट एंड ऑल प्राइवेट लिमिटेड और पब्लिक लिमिट कंपनीज आर फक्ट एंड ओनली द गवर्नमेंट कंपनीज हैव मनी यू डोंट हैव टू अरेस्ट एनी वन या यू जस्ट हैव अ डायरेक्ट कैरेट यू डोंट इवन नीड अ स्टिक वॉट टू टू आउटलैंडिश my theory vivek no i mean so which is precisely <laughs> the conclusion i made in my column uh, abhinandan uh-huh. i mean i i basically what i said was that you know over the years uh, at least when it comes to newspapers uh, they have uh, you know become totally dependent on advertising revenue of course a bulk of this revenue up until now uh, used to come from uh, corporate advertising but hmm. as corporate advertising has started to fall uh, government advertising has become you know even more uh, uh, important and right. you know that will ultimately have an uh, impact on um, you know the the way things get uh, reported if at all they get it, uh, and if at all they get reported so i mean uh, and of course along along the line you know what will also happen is that journalists who are not uh, you know who 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 are sort of uh, reporting uh, against the government i mean at least the government uh, feels that they are reporting against the government i mean they'll have a difficult time so right but uh, i just want to ask the two of you just kirat and vivek like do you think the layoffs recently that we've heard of are unprecedented or do you think we've always had this oh see i think from what i remember okay see you know the problem here is there are no numbers so you know saying anything definite uh, you know for uh, definitively is is difficult but you know i clearly remember what happened after 2008 and when 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 the financial crisis struck i mean a lot of people lost their jobs even back then and i mean at least i remember at dna uh, you know we had to at after a certain level everyone had to take a pay cut i mean i took a pay cut of around i think 10% or 12 and a half percent now whether this this uh, you know round of firings is similar to that round i mean it's difficult to say without having any concrete numbers but uh, but you know as far as the feel of it is concerned i think even in 2008 2009 uh, you know uh, the media went through a similar cycle though the reasons were all together very different so i agree with vivek in 2000 2008 2009 it was pretty big i think uh, the information age that we are in right now compared to 2008 9 it's getting a uh, amplified a lot more uh, than it was about 10 12 years ago hmm. but uh, but having said that the as, as far as advertising is concerned i do wonder how this is impacting the online uh, media organizations like scroll news laundry the quaint which are only uh, online only so they they're not very dependent on government advertising for their revenue but so still so that's the whole point you know they are screwed even more because you know you don't have access to government advertising and at the same time corporates are not giving you ads yeah which makes a case for amirandan <laughs> pay to keep news free because unless the public pays the public will not be exactly. served and 
news will die you know i know there's there's a lot of skepticism about the um the reader funded model but i actually have no doubt i mean i am not at leisure to share my full details because because you know my investors may not be thrilled about it but when we started 7 years ago i was sure that's the only way to go and i actually have the numbers to prove that there are many weaknesses in how news laundry is um you know tech is uh, you know enabled right now to actually make that happen more efficiently and smoothly but there are enough people out there to pay for news to keep it as long as your per month costs are i Hello. think are low are low yeah in the other yeah. yeah which is a 20 to 40 lakh range i don't think times of india or a news 18 yeah. can be sustained by that but i have no doubt that a news laundry size operation i don't know how big quint is uh, the amount of content i see it it seems to me like a fairly big operation 130 stories a day okay fine maybe that's I, I, stories can also be written by you know graduates sitting in a call center but i don't know how many employees there are how many reporters there are but an organization around the size of 50 to 60 people can be sustained by revenue streams where your your fundamental revenue stream the biggest one is uh, is a uh, subscription and then like we have small conferences you know some college pays you to do a conference there some one pays aapka creep 20 25% wahan se kharcha nikal sakta hai and there are other revenue streams which we are attempting but i think that's possible if your thing is low but yes, if it's i mean hmm. if i can add a point abhinandan hmm. uh, you see other than low also if you if you are niche you know where, where you sort of uh, uh, you know concentrate on only one thing so if you look at a website like money control hmm. uh, which only does stocks and mutual funds on you know they uh, uh, something like that is more likely to make money than something which is all over the place also you know i mean this is just a, i mean uh, you know uh, me and a, and and, and a, you know a friend who works for one of these organizations which uh, charge money for content uh, so we did a sort of a rough cut uh, you know back of the envelope uh, calculation and we found that you know unless they end up with around Uh, you know more than 40 45000 subs there is no point of being in the game now getting to that 40 45000 number and at the same time maintaining a daily uh, you know quality in what you are writing is is a very it's 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 a difficult challenge so yeah but i think one thing a big disservice that legacy media did and i tweeted about this let me see what the organization is called which i have no hesitation in saying is basically they're pulling a fraud on news professionals and all the news consumers the organization of 10 10 news organizations that have gone on to make something it's called the digital news publishers association dnpa with the mr pawan oh, agarwal sure. as the chairman now this has ndtv amar ujala india today inadu jagran Dainik Bhaskar, Indian Express, Malayalam Manorama, Times Internet, and Hindustan Times. None of these is digital only. <laughs> and when we sent questions to this Mr. Pawan Agarwal that how many digital organizations are a part of this, he said, uh, "Our uh, what our mandate or whatever our 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 what do you when you have an association you have a preamble or uh, whatever that that has you know mandated that we should have digital only." But he didn't answer how many they have because they have zero. and they will none of will be founding members and an organization like this the founding members have a a, a larger um, power you know just the fact that the cheek of this man 
to send those answers when he's from the news industry and he knows we fucking understand when someone's dodging the question you know i can understand if a painter or a bollywood star or a politician thinks dekho maine kitna clever answer diya maine dodge kar diya isko pata bhi nahi chala abhi hame pata hai aur tujhe bhi pata hai ki hame pata hai now they have said we welcome the 26% fdi i think it is shocking i don't think these guys have been called out enough on it i don't think yeah. these guys even <laughs> have the brains to process what they are doing and i think all the express ndtv and all have been used by a big boy like times because the only person who's going to benefit from this is times because no matter how big a house you know the proprietors of the others live in unme se kisi ki bhi aukat nahi hai bina outside funding ke apni dukan chalane ki sirf times of india ki hai aur bas us bahane sabki inhone vote laga di including people like us so i think it's uh, it's a disgrace and also someone should ask and you know if if someone is just give answers where is your entry barrier in broadcast your entry barrier is if i don't purchase a license for uploading and downloading using a satellite i can't come into the country i cannot transmit right if i don't register myself with registrar for uh, uh, newspapers and periodicals i will not be allowed to either you know get on uh, on on those set top boxes or sell newspapers off stands but how are you going to stop someone who's sitting in the us so by the logic right now everyone from time magazine to new york times to npr everyone who is not an indian company should be firewalled even the aggregators like yes, insurance alibaba you see where everyone everyone should be firewalled can you do that without you know the world condemning you and i just find you know how these organizations just pretend that oh we are doing a favor to digital you're not digital this is just the legacy players trying to build a wall because they didn't move fast enough and the the smaller players who didn't move fast enough i yeah. i feel there's always a bit of a sense of insecurity among the legacy players mm. uh, as far as online is concerned and yeah most of them don't even have their websites in order no, they're they terrible websites and to go on to their online teams are always a subset or kind of like at least treated in a stepchild manner or in an extension and an echo uh, echo effect of sorts of what they are doing on Put television on and television papers print, yeah. okay we have one email from a subscriber this time and this is from arvin nangalia arvin says hi nl hafta team this is in response to the mail by the unnamed kashmiri subscriber for some reason nl hafta panel was unwilling to question and confront her one sided views unfortunately anand vardhan was absent in both this and the previous podcast in which she spoke the lady can engage with arna bray or kushal mehra of the karvaka podcast who has done a charvaka far- i think charvaka charvaka okay done a far better job and engaged with both aarti tikku singh and ifra jaan it will surely clear all types of unknowns and knowns for her let the left liberals show their tolerance and engage with the other side for once arvind angalia well if she is listening i uh, you know i i hope she is engaging with the other side but as far as your uh, left liberal inverted commas show their tolerance engage with the other side there is data to suggest arvind a few research that the liberals actually engage with the other side more than the right engages with any other side and i can also tell you that from our experience and our producer karthik could tell you when we invite people from the right on this podcast about 70% of them actually let me put there 50% of them say no 20 say yes and then <laughs> make excuses and don't land up and just about 25% come and even though those 25% come they say something else here and when they go elsewhere there's something else so i so i think there is of course need to engage and i'm happy to talk to anybody but uh, some of the people who you have named we have got on this uh, you know uh, podcast as well and i'm happy to get them as often as possible but um i anand isn't here by the way he is back in uh, his hometown he you know he need to take care of some stuff at home 
he hopefully should be back soon uh, there was some medical uh, you know emergencies in his family so uh, yeah um, but, but thank you for your mail thank you for your support uh, and i do think we try to engage with everybody uh, but it's up to them if they want to engage like i can tell you after vivek agnihotri i've tried to get him for 10 other interviews he's not going to come uh, now moving on uh, to the traffic fines uh, jaskira do you drive i do uh, do you vivek sorry do you drive No, I don't. So most Bombayites don't drive. Even I have a friend in Bombay. He doesn't even know how to drive. No, Delhiites who uh-huh. I know who have moved to Bombay have stopped driving. They just sold off their cars and rely on Ola Uber. Yeah, yeah so abhi aaye hai, but my no, friend no, is my my not lack of driving has got nothing to do with Bombay. It's just that you know when I wanted to learn driving, my father did not let me, and you know after that it never happened. So <laughs> that's that's a good point. So. I've had uh, I wish Madhu were here she's traveling actually so she couldn't be here I had a, a debate with her about these fines and uh, I see a lot of people have very different views I mean it's not it's not either for or against but I, I want to know you know from different states Maharashtra has, has it implemented or has it refused to Gujarat has refused to implement them I really I'm sorry Maharashtra really has know. I think so, it think Maharashtra has three BJP states so for those of you who don't know fines used to be 100 bucks 500 bucks 1000 bucks for you know not wearing a helmet or not carrying a papers now fines are 2000 bucks 3000 bucks 5000 bucks going up all the way to 10000 bucks also so okay, they've so, been uh, i've just googled and maharashtra has stayed the implementation of the motor vehicle so it has stayed it yeah so that has stayed it gujarat has refused to accept it uh, arvind kejriwal the chief minister of delhi is just holding a press conference as we are recording this saying that he will see i think he's sitting on the fence still well, he's uh, also implementing the odd even odd even that yeah that, that he'll do after diwali so karnataka is also saying that this motor vehicles act so gadkari i think he had after his press conference so many people have actually contradicted him i i do think uh, he has been diminished in the bjp significantly but what do you think just keep when you start is this a good idea bad idea what do you think of it good idea bad timing uh, i don't think we have the infrastructure uh, in place we don't have the uh, sensitivity of the traffic police or the the force which is implementing these rules which can actually implement this in the proper manner it's it's a bit, again another jolt uh, i wouldn't say it's the same level as a demoralization jolt but it's another one of those small jhatkas that have come in the last few years of this government it would have made a lot more sense had this happened after the government would have had uh, met it its own end of the bargain with providing a proper you know a pothole free road in at least in the national capital or in the you know in bombay or a proper implementation of the existing rules without putting the onus on the drivers now it's no secret that our traffic sense is a mess for hmm. sure uh, i just recently concluded a 3000 4000 km drive across five states uh, in after the elections to take a little break and you get to kind of get a sense of no but that's also because in uh, many parts of india following traffic rules is optional It is no. This is also a cultural. This is also a cultural thing. Like, for example, if you look at Pune, in Pune they used to have the helmet todo campaign for the last 10, 15 years, and yeah. it's a thing. It's a helmet todo campaign is a thing there, which has political. What do you uh, mean? Uh, basically, whenever they try to implement the helmet uh, uh, rule over there, the compulsory, compulsory helmet rule, the citizen yeah. and the political <laughs> groups, and not just one political group, all opposing parties will all get together and lead a campaign to the RTO, gather all the helmets and burn them. <laughs> And this has happened multiple times. We right? will probably know so, more about this history of this. Yeah. And this is yeah, a. Can I come in here? Yes. Okay. So I, you know, I, I, uh, I mean, I'll add 
I'll just add to what uh, you know was being said. So I remember this, you know, when I, I mean, I, I studied in Pune and uh, for a couple of years, and there was this, uh, I mean, exactly the same thing happened, and the administration made helmets compulsory and everything. And you should have seen the kind of arguments uh, Punekers came up with for not wearing a helmet. Okay, uh, up to the extent that they would say this is a conspiracy of the administration to help helmet manufacturers sell more helmets. Hmm. So they would do anything to not uh, wear a helmet, or but, I mean, about, or maybe they were being funded by the association for fixing fractured skulls. Whatever. <laughs> so yeah, the argument was the traffic is so slow, we don't need helmets. Hmm. Yeah. So anything. I mean, you would get some bizarre, uh, you know, uh, explanations as to why wearing helmets is uh, is 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 not. I mean, is not a done thing. So. So, but do you think there's a good idea that these prohibitively expensive fines? Okay. So I'll I'll you know I'll sh- uh, give you a little bit of background in what has happened in Mumbai over the last uh, I guess year. Uh, so you know you have cameras which have come up at a lot of important uh, you know junctions hmm. and uh, because of that what has happened is and the, the moment you sort of you know uh, let's say uh, park you know come and stop your car on a footpath or you're driving uh, beyond a certain sp- speed fines get generated and the fine uh, goes automatically uh, you know to your phone number so you get an sms hmm. and you have to log on to an app and uh, pay off that fine okay now one thing that i can clearly see and because i walk a lot is that people are now uh, no car or no uh, two wheeler uh, sort of stops uh, on the footpath i mean so they leave yeah. the footpath and let the people walk so this is a clear behavioral change the second and the more interesting thing that has happened is that when it comes to fines uh, so there are uh, you know different fines in different areas of the city so if you are on the ceiling uh, the fine is rupees 1000 if you go over a speed of uh, 80 kilometers then if you are on the jj flyover the fine is again rupees 1000 but if you go over a speed of 30 kilometers per hour now what happens is these fines go directly to the uh, you know to your phone and if the havaldar happens to catch you and so what he you know he can figure out as to how much is the fine outstanding and then you know then you negotiate with the havaldar and pay him a bribe so basically what is happening is that the bribes for the havaldars have uh, become bigger also gone up yeah and at the same time people are at least uh, you know respecting uh, you know laws to some extent i mean i can see uh, the, the moment a taxi guy gets on to the jj flyover he automatically drops his speed to below 30 kilometers an hour and sometimes it's very very funny i mean you feel that the entire traffic is moving in full slow motion because yeah you know, there's no reason so exactly slow. that's so, happening here as well i i get that you know banisha what are your views on this i'm very happy about the drunk driving fine going up to 10000 i mm. think it's criminal how irresponsible people are drinking and driving and every other day there are accidents and there's death and not only you're putting the other person's life you know in jeopardy and we don't have a culture i think it like men in india brag ki main ek bottle pee ke chala sakta hu main do beer pee ke chala sakta exactly or karobar exactly it's a, it's like a cultural thing to boast karobar. about it's like a bar in your car basically you can't possibly be in delhi for so many years uh, how do you know to karobar yeah you really? never attended a wedding where you've had uh, no how long have you been in delhi I've been in Delhi twenty years, twenty five years. You are not what you South Delhi little bubble I have mean, you been in? If you haven't heard of Delhi, I've been under. No, I mean I, I've I've heard of and I've seen and when I was young, I guess we drank and drove, but I'd never heard of like it being a 
ऑफेंसिसन But if you're not carrying your license or if you're not carrying your RC, yeah. but you can't produce it, cannot have that heavy a fine. I, I think that's completely wrong, especially in a country where your security systems are so fucked. I've lost my license once when I was younger. Dude, you got to go lodge an FIR. Then you have to go back and say I had an early license, this number. Now I didn't have any, you know, photocopies of the license. I'm talking about, I think in the late '90s. Now it got lost. Now they said, "What was the number of your license registration number?" I said, "I don't fucking remember the registration number." Just getting a new license was such a pain in the ass. So I don't carry my original. My original is lying in office. I carry a photocopy. So many people do that with RCs. You know, if you're driving cross states, you might not want it. You know, it's not safe. You want your RC. So I think if you can't produce it, give a fine. But but to have a distinction between something that endangers other people's lives, like drunk driving, speeding, breaking lights, and not carrying it, not having it. Okay, make it prohibitive, but not carrying it. But you can produce it in court. Like I've just got three chalans for fucking overspeeding, and I've paid all of them online. Not right now, but luckily before this kicked in. Now I go in the morning at like on the weekends at five o'clock in the morning to to play football. That Vasant Kunj road is like eight lanes, and who which which idiot on Sunday morning is driving? Now obviously I go at seventy, eighty. Yeah, the fucking speed limit there is fifty, and they have these cameras. So bloody I get SMSs fucking uh, every Sunday I get an SMS that you're overspeeding and in the morning even when you try 50 you know like Vivek is saying you don't on an empty road if you're going at 50 you feel you're going in slow motion so I just think that no logic is there and finally this video that is playing right now of these cops beating up that man yesterday when I was going from here for a, a meeting to Latians Delhi on Aurangzeb road crossing there were two cars full of cops. who are breaking the light and because you know when the pile up happens they break the light so they have to stop so they had blocked the people for whom it was green now if you can't fucking get the khakis to start obeying laws don't fucking tell me to do it yeah and i've said this before i have no sympathy for cops the way they beat up people the bullies they are i just want to know if a cop tries to physically assault you are you well within your legal rights to beat him up as self defense I think mm-hmm. no. no. They, so they no provocation. Have, they they can keep mechanism is built around. They uh, can keep slapping them. you. You can't like this video that's playing. They're beating this guy up. You hit back. This guy cannot turn around and punch him no. in the face. And that's his nephew. His kid nephew is uh, standing there watching this uh, humiliation yeah. and this thing that's going to remain with him for the rest of his life. And the thing is that and they counter you. They, they count. Yeah, there's another one also. One where where the, this cop is not driving the helmet. The guy says, "Why aren't you wearing a helmet?" And he starts he beating him. Grabs his collar and starts slapping him around in front of everyone. So if But you slap back, you are. So what happens is that they will put. a charge of obstruction of civil carrying servant out, yeah, carrying public out, yeah. servant carrying out his duties hmm. and this is something i know of one reporter one fantastic reporter who for the last 7 8 years has been traveling from his bureau to new delhi to appear in patiala house in one of these courts because of a similar incident where a cop roughed him up hmm. and he probably only pushed him back or maybe held his collar 7 hmm. years that guy has been traveling to delhi to attend uh, a hearing for obstruction of uh, obstructing a public servant from mm. uh, performing the duties you have so this is the mechanism yeah, that we have yeah. we are fighting against no i think it's it's a disgrace and i remember when i lived in bombay for a year i, I mean i have no sympathy for bal thakre but i could understand why he became such a power because when i was there and the environment i was living in there was no justice for the poor 
you know if you were rich in bombay you could do what the fuck you wanted and whether it was salman driving and doing what he did on the pavement or there's some very big well known bollywood names who when if you're in the film industry network you know up routinely beating up the household help like you know slapping them around if they're not getting the teen time one of them pooja batra's help had complained against and the police came otherwise even if they go to complain no one is going to act against such big bollywood stars so bal thakre came around if the police is going to get you justice i'll fucking get you justice so the case i'm talking about that i'm aware of finally that person apologized to the maid and gave her back the mobile phone and all because shifts and up goons came to the house they said we'll drag you outside your bungalow and everyone will see so the cops didn't do anything he did and if the police can't behave i think it's a question of time before people start turning around and beating up the cops which happened in delhi a few times already mm, true sorry that was my rant i think mm-hmm. i went a bit off no but i think that they touch a lot of <laughs> raw nerves out there but uh, coming to Bom- uh, maharashtra the conversation is on between mr uh, thakre and mr shah for seat sharing shivsena isn't the force it was once in bombay is it uh, it's not uh, that is very very clear but they're asking uh, for more seats this time funnily enough sorry they're asking for more seats this time from the bjp no but then that that always happens no i mean because see ultimately if they have to keep the political uh, party going and if they need to continue to be relevant i mean they need to keep uh, the supporters happy so it's but natural they last for more seats so but ultimately see it's a part of you know how any negotiation happens and then they'll sort of settle somewhere in between so will raj thakre have anything to do any role to play i no. don't see if you look at what After happened his presentations. in uh, the lok sabha election you know when he was giving these speeches in favor of the congress mm. uh, people turned up to listen to him but ultimately it didn't translate into words and also with so, him being questioned by the ed i'm sure he's scared he's finally met someone who can <laughs> deal with him in as bullying a way as possible no normally if you know he was called by the ed for questioning he would have made sure bombay ground to a halt hmm. but they no, probably no i mean he doesn't have that i mean may, maybe i mean uh, but the point is uh, i mean this time around uh, that wouldn't have been possible so so just want to discuss the last two things the chandrayaan Uh, for those of you who don't know india sent rocket up into space so that we could send a a lander on the surface of the moon to the south, south pole, pole i believe yeah. which has not been explored yet and explored and uh, didn't quite work out it was very exciting and there was volt volt coverage and people stayed up at night to watch that thing um, the the whatever was happening Sorry. i wonder if people really did I, I know a lot of people. At least, yeah. oh, the lot twi- of people. On Twitter, a yeah. lot of people did, but <laughs> yeah. at least they claimed that they no, on Twitter. I mean, I wonder if a regular Indian. No, for for a change, folk. like a lot of non-media people I met that Saturday after okay. the event, uh, they said that oh, we first thing we checked when we woke up was whether it landed or not. When they but, woke up. Yeah, but, but they, they didn't, didn't stay, stay awake. Up. But many people did stay awake. But <laughs> a lot of journalists stayed awake. But so, <laughs> but the person who stole the thunder was Pallav Bagla, <laughs> who very rudely asked when the when it didn't work out that it hasn't landed successfully and to give the bad news there was another scientist who came and he said why isn't the chairman of isro here normally he comes. he comes and not send so junior got, person <laughs> so he shouted and after that everybody went at him and of course uh, you know when such a bad pushback comes from everywhere then you know he shat bricks and considering he was from ndtv he got extra flack yeah exactly he had to be from ndtv I, for those you know full disclosure i've worked with pallav in news track and aaj tak back in the 90s so we were colleagues then uh, so he's really sweet and you know i i was shocked that he actually had the guts to 
talk so loudly there but he gets very excited and he you know especially if, so this is a space he knows better than anybody else because he's been covering science and history so uh, i just found uh, that entire thing becoming such a politicians commented on it there was you know journalists who were like he just, should be sacked yeah i think it was because he was with ndtv more than anything because like you said i've seen so much of his reporting he really gets into the character and you know he the way he speaks it's always he emphasizes like this has happened yeah. so i think he just did that but in a louder voice i think so, he also got excited yeah with the, the audience there and ye wo to bhai but <laughs> and he apologized important thing is uh, people like anjana om kashyap who bloody heckled that doctor hmm. she brazened it out she did a whole show justifying why she did it hmm. here this guy is at least There's gracefully a, said sorry the incident with Srinjoy Chaudhary who was very rude with this uh, uh, lady reporter yeah yeah he was pushing oh pushed God. physically uh, yeah, yeah. over oh, the times now dude right yeah yeah he was the pushing guy, yeah yeah but he said sorry also eventually after being called out yeah, uh, yeah. after, after, after being called out a lot of people lot of people but don't many don't also many don't they make a virtue I, out I of heckling could have to me I, and i've seen palus reporting mm. for the last 15 20 mm. years but i think he was he, there was a sense of a bit rudeness of but course. i'm 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 guess, guessing a lot of that came from the excitement it could have been avoided no, for someone at his seniority level he was ob- he was no doubt he was rude and i'm saying that rude was because he was excited and felt like a chaudhary you know ki bhai this is my Yeah, it felt like a stakeholder in the entire thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was an entitlement yeah, sense of like, but uh, but the only thing is the reason this got even more like flack and everyone is surprised is that other than shouting at each other in studios, you know, you know who's uh, you know Patral shouted. Uh, I don't know the guy who's in the car. Uh, General Bakshi will shout at some bald guy from Pakistan. You know, Arnab will shout at some Lutians. That we are only used to that shouting. But when we see a voice raised to a politician, like for example, Piyush Goyal's clarification after clarification, if someone said, "But did Einstein discover gravity?" That is what we're asking you. That would have been seen as being rude. We've reached such a stage of civility. कि थोड़ी भी आवाज उठा दी। I do think that is true because I also do think his question was legitimate because it is true that usually the ISRO scientist, the top guy, comes and sort of. I think there was a piece in India today also that till now ISRO hasn't explained what went wrong. Usually the tradition is to sort of have some sort of a press briefing telling people, okay, this is what we assume went wrong or this is what, and they cancel that briefing on Saturday. I think it's perfectly okay to ask that, okay, ISRO chief, is he going to address the media or not? Whereas he, he shouldn't have said obviously said that junior scientist came again. That's very rude. and his voice so mm. it took away from the actual yeah issue the issue, issue was yeah. that isro chief should have been there but uh, the way I mean, he, he asked the question took away the commander of the operation basically he did an einstein ha <laughs> <laughs> the main issue se bhatak ke dusre pe and then and then in the morning by 10 am the headlines are changed again to the hug hug yeah and to the what modi's hug to the isro chief oh right yeah he Prime. hugged the isro chief how sweet right very yeah, sweet so i just like to end with these one is an international story of this boris johnson but before that ram jethmalani died so uh, i just like to go around the panel starting with vivek manisha jaskirat and alkam last uh, do you have anything to say about the man have you ever encountered him what is your view because he did dominate headlines in brief pieces you know at least since i've been in 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 the journalism uh. news I think my first memory of him and uh, I mean I haven't followed him much but my first memory of him was during the Indira Gandhi uh, you know assassination uh, you know the, the case that followed and how he defended uh, the uh, assassins if i remember yeah Kehar Singh right uh, Ban Singh Satwant Singh and Kehar Singh and- 
and Kehar Singh, right? And uh, so uh, I think one of them was, or all three of them were uh, hanged to death. Yes, although um, they said Kehar was hanged. He, yeah, I mean, he did uh-huh. not. He was not involved enough to be given the, yeah. the sentence. And so that, apparently, that is... he's the one who did not collapse when he was led to the gallows. Satwan's yes. legs buckled. He had to be dragged. He soiled his uh, pajamas. Uh, but Kehar Singh just walked up to the gallows and 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 they said he was innocent. Yes. So that is my sort of first memory of him. And and you know back then it was like you know I mean obviously it was a huge thing and everybody wondered as to why is a lawyer even defending them. I mean obviously you know uh, I mean a limited understanding at that point of time. So uh, yeah I mean that that is actually my memory of him. So I mean Manisha. Yeah. Manu Sharma I think defending that case is what I I mean. Um, but no, also one he of did, the things. Did Manu or Sanjeev Nanda? Manu Sharma. Manu Sharma. But uh, one of the Nanda. cases, um, I'll read out from a report actually, and he defended Asaram Bapu and he said some very despicable things about the victim, calling her mentally unstable and stuff like this. is an underage woman who's. So fine, I get that you're a lawyer and you're going to defend, but then I think you should also be judged on the tactics you use. And he was asked by the Wall Street Journal why he defended Asaram, and he said, My practice is of a different kind from other lawyers. I make tons of money at the bar, but I do it from 10% of my clients Bapu is the 10% Asaram Bapu so to me I mean uh, he may be a brilliant lawyer or whatever but I on with that case and the sort of things he said sure it's your profession to defend criminals and uh, not judging it but how you do it and what you say is just what Manisha says is uh, interesting and two points towards the quotes piece that uh, came out last month about how in India obituaries normally whitewash people mm-hmm. there's it i think it's a cultural thing in india maybe we don't speak ill of the dead or something to that effect where a lot of the opportunities try tend to look at only the bright side and the the highlights of their life and not the low points jet milani actually i have a lot of memories sir because uh he was a dean of the law school i went to he was uh also when i was covering the supreme court for about four or five years there's constant interaction there's one hilarious time where a reporter during the 2g case which is probably one of the 10% of clients that he got his money from. A reporter took a brief from him for 15 minutes about his argument and then asked him, and so, can I have your name, please? <laughs> oh. <laughs> what did I he do? can't get the and picture. Then? I can't get his reaction out of my head ever. The, the stunned, silent look he gave her for five seconds, not angry, huh. maybe partially confused, huh. maybe looking at her and say, is thinking, is this a prank? Hmm. And then he just walked away. He didn't say. <laughs> he, 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 I, I think he was too stunned to say anything. That that man at that time in 2012-13, whenever the 2G case was happening, was arguing in front of Supreme Court judges who studied his cases in their law school days. Mm. So get that into perspective. You know, this is a guy who was arguing in front of judges who has studied his argued cases in their law school. I think. The Manu Sharma one, which why most people remember is because of the Sagrika Ghosh interview, interview yeah, yeah, yeah. where he absolutely <laughs> went hammer down. Yeah, he he went to her, at her, yeah. What did he say? It wasn't what he said. It's about her lack of being able to counter him or like uh, control that interview, which made it go viral in the pre-viral and pre-social media days. Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember that. Yeah, so so that I think uh, I think Karan Thapa also he had a major thing with, but. Uh, that guy had a life, interesting as it was, with low points and highs. Mm. And, you know, history will judge him yeah, as I th- he was. I, I think that it's, you can't, um, uh, you know, blame a lawyer from taking up a case. Like, R.K. Anand was, you know, debarred for using shady means of of handling a case. I'm, I'm, you should be able to handle any case, but how you conduct yourself in handling that case 
is important. I remember that case that Arkyanand was handling. Um, he was accused of trying to influence um, or intimidate uh, witnesses, which clearly is not very lawful or appropriate for a lawyer to do. That is a BMW case. And yeah, I think it was a BMW. Yeah. It was one of the cases he was yeah. doing and there was a sting operation where he was trying to influence. So I think that is completely off. But the one thing that I found was, I think just about four years ago when I was moderating that session with him and there was uh, Subramaniam Swami, Manish Tiwari. There were three, four lawyers and then they had, I think, Madhu Kishwar there for comic relief. So, who just shouted basically and, <laughs> and nodded. So, you know, he must have been at that time maybe 92 because he died in 96. He knew things like the paragraph on which page it's on the second last page of that go get it my friend my Mr. Swami is talking like a liar but the problem is he is not a liar that is why he cannot argue I don't know why he tries to bother he could just the confidence he could fucking destroy people and how well he knew every word it's like you know like Zakir Nayak can rat any for all you know he's whatever what do you call it Ayat number, whatever. Chapter 12, yeah, verse number 20. Yeah. He, says, he says, and he says, Allah, and he says, Allah, we'll take the beat on off the coffee or whatever the fuck he says. You know, he can, so maybe he's bullshitting, I don't know the Quran, but clearly, but, but clearly. No, uh, he, he did carry he's himself. He's not bullshitting because the other lawyer is listening. He could just pull out paragraphs from, I think that was just brilliant. Yeah. And I've seen the to, judges fawning over him during the hearings. I've seen the Supreme Court judges, they were like, yeah, yes sir, I, Mr. Jetpunani, please. So that yes, is why, you on. know, you, you appear in court half the time because the judges are so bloody in awe of you that they, they could not... Um, That's interesting, judge being intimidated of... Of course, like okay, you said, you're they looking at a guy yeah. whose cases you studied in law school, you're like, wow, okay, I'm getting to hear it's like Jet. It's like tomorrow, if you're interviewing Sudhir Chaudhary, Manisha, <laughs> same same feelings. Now, think of how you'd feel then. Sure. <laughs> so, so uh, another interesting thing I think is uh, Jitnani has defended both assassins of Indira Gandhi and Rajiv Gandhi, I think. So, mm. I wonder if that has something to do with the fact that the Gandhis never had any personal one or word to say. Maybe Congress did. I don't know if the Gandhis did. Oh, he defended uh, Rajiv Gandhi's assassin. Yeah, Nalini, yeah. Hey, uh, can I can I just make a point? Please. Okay. So, you know, talking about obituaries, I, I just remember reading uh, a book which Khushwan Singh wrote. And it was it was not a book. It was essentially a collection of the obituaries that he had written over the years. And there was this uh, thing in... Uh, there was this uh, obituary of Faiz Ahmed Faiz, okay, uh, the poet. And, uh, and Khushwan Singh ends that obituary with a doggerel that uh, Faiz wrote about himself. And hmm. uh, which was like, Faiz Ahmed Faiz se badke koi shayar nahi, chaman mein rehka roz maare hai virane ki gaad. Now, I have not <laughs> read a better <laughs> obituary in that, all my is, life. But I mean, Faiz Ahmed Faiz really wrote that? I mean, no. that was what Kushwan Singh claims. Kushwan I mean, Singh has That's about. amazing. I, I put my complete... <laughs> Which is what Kushwan Singh claims in his obituary. Change, Both yeah. men are dead. <laughs> Both men are... Kushwan Singh is also dead. So yeah. No way. So now you can say anything. <laughs> so if, if you pick up a book called Death on the Doorstep, uh, which is what the title was of that book, and you read the obituary that Kushwan Singh wrote on Fez, it's that's the last line of that. Uh, obituary so the other point sorry <laughs> yeah go ahead. go ahead yeah the other point i wanted to make was about you know ram jetmilani in uh 
court and how all these uh, you know judges were you know falling all over him now one of the you know i mean i just wanted to make a, a comparison and uh, you know bashir badr the, the great urdu poet yeah uh, during his heydays uh, you know when he went for mushayras so he was uh, typically introduced in a certain sort of way and one of the points that uh, got repeatedly made was that ki jab ye apne ma ka exam likh rahe the to inki likhi hui ghazal pe hi ek sawal us exam mein aaya tha wow Well, I mean, so that—that's mm. the you know. So some of these guys who sort of uh, uh, you know start early and uh, you know achieve greatness over a long period of time. I mean, these are the things they end up doing. So yeah, Paul. That note, I'd like to wind up today's hafta, but not before I recommend the song, of course, for the new startup India, um, where Modi ji accuses us of laughing at dung. a cow but it's not that it's just that 60% funding if your startup is to do with cow dung or urine is not in tune of digital india for me but before we get to the song let's get recommendations vivek what's your recommendation for our oh, listeners uh, so i'm i'm reading this uh, book called uh, the truth about us uh, the politics of information from manu to modi uh, by uh, an Uh, by this guy called Sanjay Chakravarti, who uh, teaches at the Temple University in Philadelphia, and it's a very very interesting book which uh, sort of relates a lot of history and how the British uh, sort of wrote or rather rewrote India's history, and how the Indian politicians then carried on with it, and how uh, you know the current dispensation is using it all over again. So it's it's highly recommended. So thank you, Jaskirat. I am reading the Anarchy on the East India Company. I think it's a. F- I, it oh yeah, the new book came up from been. a 2015, 2016 Guardian article that uh, uh, the author had written, and I found it very fantastic at that time, very interesting. And the book is quite engaging, I think, uh, about the first proper case of corporate thuggery and yeah. you know <laughs> colonial. Co- but yeah, it's actually a great example of. how you know evil and greedy corporates can get under a very interesting setting and i'm also listening to an audiobook which is some which is actually a book i was trying to read for the longest time i couldn't so i switched to the audiobook version which is the rise and fall of the third reich hmm. and uh i think it's an important book to be read because uh, especially chapter 2 for anyone who picks it up uh, because as the saying goes those who don't learn from history are condemned to repeat it exactly so i will uh, recommend uh, ayush tiwari's uh, piece on chinmayanand this is a very exhaustive profile we didn't get to discuss it but it's a very fascinating profile um, just how powerful this guy is uh, so read that i will recommend vivek calls piece on the media layoffs and what's happening and complement that with a piece from financial times uh, by a former uh, bbc journalist it's headlined how to prepare yourself for redundancy don't think that doing your job well is a guarantee you will keep it and i'll just read two paras from this where he says that my mistake was to think that doing your job well is a guarantee for keeping it i relied on the bbc to show loyalty and it turned out to be the biggest error of my working life so my key lesson for any employee is to always make sure you're ready to be shown the door practically psychologically financially so i think journalists read both these good advice prepare yourself <laughs> Uh, the recommendation i have after a long time doing a radio lab recommendation is what's left when you're right it's about lefties and righties and their place in the world how evolution has determined why the human race is 90% righty and 10% lefty and why those 10% lefties have not over the years become 0% if that is you know if 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 the logic of what they have proposed and this is true and there's a very interesting reason that there will always be those 10% lefties um so yeah it's interesting if you're if you're 
if you're a lefty by the way you have higher chances of of being successful with the girls uh, those huh? heterosexual males amongst really? our listeners <laughs> you listen to it and you'll understand <laughs> what i'm saying pehle pehle batana chahiye tha na kyu now you're righty <laughs> no i'm not <laughs> i'm just saying i could have practiced so but, it's too late but, now but so. did you know that every other animal other than the human and one more are 50 50 righty lefty ambidextrous No, I'm no. I mean, they will favor one leg, but they will favor fifty percent favor left or right or paw or oh, arm. Oh, so it's only ten and ninety. Ten and ninety is just humans and parrots. Oh, and the thing we have in common is we can both speak. Hmm. Oh, weird. And, and it has to do with that actually. But it's a fantastic. If you have any feedback or commentary to share with us, send it to contact at newslaundry dot com. I repeat, send it to contact at newslaundry dot com, and we have events in. Plan in Singapore, the US, and NCR this year. Maybe we'll be we may be coming to Hyderabad as well. So do subscribe. All these events will be free for subscribers. Others will probably have to pay to get in, or will not be able to. So yeah, subscribe to newsline.com. Pay to keep news free, and become a part of changing the world. On that note, thank you, Jaskira. Thank you, Vivek. Thank you, Manisha. Thanks for coming. Thank um, you. Good luck with your pursuits. We look forward to many of more of your reports and write-ups. And for those of you who are wondering what to do with your lives, this song goes out to you. laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.